0: If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust and a little bit of pixie dust. On today's episode, I have 42-year-old Jessie. Jessie's a teacher in New South Wales and was sitting in her car while her parents looked after her beautiful 10-month-old Joni. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did recording it. So welcome to the podcast tonight, Jessie. So I'm really excited to have you on. I would love to start with just understanding your journey as to how you made the decision to become a solo mum by choice.
1: Thanks, Alicia. Um, I am an avid listener to podcasts, so to be actually recording one is is quite a privilege and, yeah, it's great to be on the other side. Um, well, I always knew that I wanted to be a mum uh, ever since I was a young child. To me, it was all, always going to be a be-all and end-all, like no choice not to have one. And I think if something, if I couldn't have, you know, been able to have my own children or I don't know what I would have done. And, and so that used to cause me a lot of sleepless nights thinking about what if I don't have my own. So to me, it was, it was important. Uh, of course I didn't think it was going to be like this. I didn't think I was going to be a solo mom, but this is how it's, it's turned out. And I think it's all meant to be. And it's, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, during the you know my twenties, I was traveling, I was um, doing different things, and in my thirties, I was concentrating on my teaching career. I had some couple, few relationships, you know, a couple that I shouldn't have been in, was in for too long. One who was cheating on me the whole time. The other one was international, long distance, and you know, never really had plans on coming back to Australia. And um, and then the last relationship was. Really lovely guy, and we're still friends today. But he, he already had two kids, and so it's the same old story. You know, as you get older, you're meeting people who've kind of been there, done that, and aren't really wanting to go down that path of having a child. So uh, we ultimately split, and that was devastating for me because I, I thought this, that was kind of it. You know, I thought then, well, I'm not. This is it. I'm not going to try again. I'm just going to do this on my own. I had thought about it, you know, previously when I was around 36 maybe, but I kept putting it off thinking that, no, I'll, I'll meet someone, I'll meet someone, you know, why why won't I meet someone? Everyone, everyone meets someone. Everyone has someone or my friends have someone, so why won't I? And so I always held that hope that I would and then, yeah, I, I didn't and so I... I thought I'm just going to bite the bullet and, and do it. I even had some friends when I was around 36, a lovely couple offer for me to have, um, to use his sperm and, and, and go, you know, have him as a a donor father, but ultimately decided that um, it would just be too complicated. And I thought, no, I'll, I'll meet someone, I'll meet someone. And I didn't. So um so that's, so that's I interesting went, so they were a couple did they have children yeah they had um they had children um they're just a really beautiful beautiful couple and, and knew how much I wanted kids and I think it was her I won't I won't say their names but I think it was her who you know thought of it and talked to her husband about it and um we we kind of went out for lunch one day just her husband and I and Talked about it and uh, I thought seriously about it, but yeah, ultimately I just thought I was still too young, still to kind of go, go down that path. So ultimately decided not to. And yeah, I, I I think that I'm glad I didn't. I think everything's worked out how it should be now. Um, so yeah, cut to a few years later, I was 39. Um, I had an appointment with a fertility specialist with Jenea in Wollongong mm-hmm. and um, got all the tests, you know, did some testing and everything was okay. But obviously just because of my age, things were, um, the doctor, he recommended that I go straight to IVF and not even worry about IUD. So um, finding out about the cost of sperm though, because they, they only dealt with, uh, sperm from America. Okay. Um, and it was thought to be really exorbitant, um, $12,000 just for the sperm alone. So wow. yeah, plus, you know, plus all the added IVF costs. So the person told me just, you know, to shop around to have a look around. So I, I did, I just kind of Googled around and spoke with someone from IVF Australia at their Wollongong clinic and they they dealt with local sperm with new south wales sperm um the wait list was only six weeks compared to six months and it was only 750 dollars, i think so quite different to 12 grand then, yeah yes yeah Uh, i remember thinking like 12 grand i just that's just 12 grand alone just for the sperm i'm not going to be able to afford that but um so yeah i went with ivf australia and started that process and had my first appointment um, a day before my 40th birthday party uh, which just felt really symbolic yeah and because I've always hated birthdays leading up to my 40th and people would always say but it's just a number age is just a number but you know not when you have a fertility um clock going you know very very loudly constantly so tick, 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 tick. so that was really nice yeah, to have that appointment and kind of get things rolling. And I was able to enjoy, enjoy then being 40 and turning 40 and knowing that I was taking control of it all. Um, so then I, you know, did the counselling. I sorted out finances. I actually accessed my superannuation mm-hmm. to help pay for it, uh, which was quite, quite easy. Um, I was on the wait list for a sperm and then um got to the you know the time where I was able to access the database and I'd organised a little help Jesse pick a baby daddy sperm party, which was um one of the weirdest nights of my life. I had just a few close girlfriends over and they were all, you know, having a few wines and uh they a friend turned on the computer for me and logged on and I just burst into tears I just became hysterical and just couldn't do it and um a a good friend of mine finally calmed me down and I came out and but I couldn't look at the screen I couldn't look at anything they just did it for me and made it really fun and you know it was ended up being a really really good night you think it was maybe the reality of what you were doing
0: finally sunk home then I think that's what it was well,
1: yeah absolutely it was like what this is not how it's supposed to be um you know it was like it was very much like online dating like looking to pick a guy who you're going to date which I'd had a lot of experience in I was you know a very um experienced online data so this kind of felt too much like that but it wasn't it was literally choosing you know the future father of my baby and it was just all too much um so but it ended up being a really great night and then that was a Friday night and then I was able to look over it myself on the weekend and there was a few um ones that I quite liked but I kind of just left it and then Monday um finished work and logged on and there was a new one who came and we were always told if you like one that you you see one that you like just pick it them immediately because they could get snapped up um and if you change your mind you can always change your mind but if if they go then they've gone um so I did that I I kind of just suddenly read read the profile really liked him just I know I just really went with my gut and picked him and and he's now my my daughter's donor donor father so you had the the
0: party and the event with all your girlfriends and you went through all the things but even then the right one came along after that and you you had the courage to just see it and pick it
1: Mm -hmm. that's right yeah um and funnily enough like he and he kind of when I look back at it think he's probably someone I'd end up dating it would like to date anyway and I've heard that's a good way of kind of deciding you know is it someone that you would be attracted to and um I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it um so yeah that's how I chose chose him you know things like medical history and and health and all of that were were the most important to me um but I think once I actually did make the choice kind of just went from my mind and I didn't really think about that part of it anymore um which was which was good um so yeah and then you know a couple months went by and it was time to start and I went to Wollongong and I got all my medications and was taught how to use it and I was due to start on the Sunday and then on the Friday found out that the elective surgery was going to be cancelled so that was two years ago so it was the first wave of COVID yeah um when it all first started um and and yeah, Scott Morrison cancelled that. And that was just absolutely devastating. Um, one of the hardest moments of the whole journey, actually, being so ready to start it and then well, it's and such, not knowing. A journey
0: to all. make that decision in the first place and then you build yourself mm-hmm. up so much to yep. get to that point. And then for it to be mm-hmm. out of your control, it was like, ah, oh, excuse me, <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. Come on, let me have it. Yeah. yeah. And I
1: know yeah it was it was tough and just not knowing how long it was going to you know be cancelled for but I, it ended up only being a month um so it was okay so then I I started the following month um did all the injections you know for the two weeks and it was fine um went in and you know had the scans and everything I was having to travel about an hour and a half you know quite often before school I'm a school teacher so I'd travel to to get the scans and the bloods done and uh just before, a couple of days before my egg retrieval uh I was told that I ovulated early and that you know I'd lost all the eggs so and it was through IVF. yeah the IVF so I just I um yeah they'd picked it up on the on the blood test that i I ovulated um before they were able to before i was able to go in for my retrieval and that was something i didn't even know was a thing um so that was a real shock um yeah that was that was a really a hard day because i'd actually gone through you know the all the two weeks of injections and for nothing um so Anyway, it was good that they caught it before I actually went in because then it only, it cost $1,000 instead of like a full round. I wasn't charged for a full round of IVF. Um, so anyway, did it again next month, did some more, got some more eggs. Um, I just found it was just such a, a numbers game. It was just, you know, how many eggs do you get? How many are fertilized? How many make it past day five and there's just so many different little milestones that you you know have to get ready for you know for disappointment if if the news isn't good um so that was that was hard but um I ended up with being transferred with one fresh one and I had a frozen embryo still as well and I'd been doing acupuncture and everything but the um that one didn't take the fresh one didn't take and I um found out that I wasn't pregnant because I I got my period at nine o'clock just I was about to go into having a parent meeting with the school counsellor. So I had to just fight back the tears and put on a happy face and be professional and that was, yeah, that was pretty hard. Um, But then, yeah, the next month I went in and had the frozen one transferred and that didn't stick as well. Mm. And it kind of just got easier, I think. I think the COVID thing and then the early ovulation and then the not being pregnant all kind of built me up for this next, um, you know, unsuccessful pregnancy. And it was then I really realised just how much I could take and how strong I really am. Um, That I, I just thought that I was going to be a real blubbering emotional mess through the whole process, but I wasn't. I was really, really quite strong. So yeah, that was, that was good. Um, so then I had no eggs, no embryos left. So I had to start again, but I was about eight grand short. So I was just going to do anything I could to get, to get that money. And then I did my tax refund and my tax refund was $8,000.
0: That's handy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was meant to be. So I, I was able just to go ahead straight away and, do another round uh and I ultimately got three embryos uh two of which are still frozen and I had a fresh one implanted and that fresh one is my almost 10 month old baby girl oh wow yeah so that's basically the um the IVF part of the um story
0: it's one of those things you'd never tried to get pregnant previously and then when you start you realize no it's not as easy as you think it's gonna be
1: no and I I wasn't coming into it um I, I came into it quite educated and had read a lot and didn't think it was going to work first go but you still have that hope that you might be that lucky person that it does work but it didn't that third time lucky you know ultimately it took me six months to get pregnant three three times three rounds um three transfers the time lucky so yeah I'm 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 very lucky
0: so once you were pregnant how did you find pregnancy being on your own and after everything you went through
1: um it wasn't great it wasn't it wasn't a walk in the park it the first trimester I was really fatigued um being a a teacher and just kind of busy on my feet all day and you know anyway uh so I was quite fatigued but then it turned out I needed an iron infusion um so I had that and that was just incredible that was really amazing really recommend those if, (laughs) if you can um and second trimester wasn't too bad I had some funny cravings I was just obsessed with orange juice really uh, oh, absolutely obsessed with orange juice and then obsessed with ice blocks um so that was funny and I was always quite nauseous it wasn't always sick but always very nauseous and there was a few times I had to get my teacher's aid to kind of step in for me was <laughs> just mm-hmm. not feeling well and I, I felt like I just had to constantly graze on crackers all day so I feel like my class was probably thinking, you know, why is Miss Gainey always eating? <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then I developed symphysis pubis dysfunction. Ooh,
0: haven't heard of that one.
1: Yeah. Um, it's basically just like a an irritation, inflamed pubic area. Uh, so it just made it really hard to walk. So by the end, I was just in a lot of pain, a lot of pain to work, walk. So... Um, finishing up and going on maternity leave was yeah a big relief so yeah it wasn't a fantastic pregnancy um but I think the whole time I was just so grateful to be pregnant that you know I could have been hit with anything but I, I would have been okay
0: and then going into the birth were you private or public and how did that go
1: uh I was public I've I've never really had I've never had private health insurance. Uh, So I think I'd spent so much money already on everything. So I I wasn't really an option and I was happy to go to go public. My mum is a nurse in the public system and Mm -hmm. I'm a teacher in the public system. So um, that was never an issue. Um, I have an amazing GP, which I did share care with. So I think that really made a difference. I had her as a constant throughout the whole process. And so, I even though I had different, you know, obstetricians here and there, um, she was like my my um, one constant, and she was amazing. So, I felt I felt really, really well cared for throughout the the whole process. Um, yeah, um, I was. They wanted me to be induced um, because apparently IVF placentas get tired. Um, <laughs> Well, it's IVFM we're old so
0: know. add it all
1: together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um I was yeah set to be induced, which I was, which wasn't a, a great experience. Um it was pretty painful, but then the construction started and I'm, I'm really pleased that I had that I know now what constructions feel like and I opted for an epidural pretty fast um yeah so that an epidural was just just absolutely incredible uh so that was nice and so yeah I was induced around 10 o'clock in the morning and ended up having my little baby girl at 10 to 6 that night um it was two hours of active pushing um and then yeah she was side on so she wasn't she kind of kept coming out and then Coming back in again, and um, I, I felt fine. I was, you know, feeling very relaxed with the epidural. But I think everyone else was a little bit getting a little bit worried. And the the um, the doctor told me afterwards probably should have gone in for a cesarean. But I really thought you could do it, and you did it. And so, yeah. Thanks for
0: telling me that afterwards. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: but um yeah it it was it was it was all okay it was I don't know I just think I was just so grateful to be pregnant that anything that came my way I kind of just took because everything meant that I was having a baby and um she was born and on the 1st of June she's a little winter baby perfect little specimen so yes she'll be um 10 months in not very long at all, so she's just an absolute gem. She's an amazing little baby, really happy and just, uh, just yeah. Motherhood is everything I've ever wanted it to be and more. So, very, yeah, so it's like
0: you've got some some really great friends around you that obviously supported through picking the donor and all that sort of thing. Have you found any neg- negativity along your journey, or is everyone being really supportive?
1: No. It's all been really, really supportive. Um, I have an amazing village around me uh, at home on the south coast. Um, teacher friends and other friends who um, are, you know, some of them are a bit younger than me and have young kids, and so they've just been amazing. You know, being on maternity leave together and uh, incredible, incredible friends. Um, and I've got beautiful older uh, friends who. My mum and dad asked if they would be Joni's other set of honorary grandparents. Aww, so, um, you know, without the, you know having a donor for a dad, not having that other set of grandparents. So she does have a, another nanny and poppy. That's um, so that's really sweet. Yeah. And my parents are, are a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit away from me, but they're really supportive and absolutely adore her. So no idea I have a really amazing support network and everyone has just been so positive and happy for me um so it's been it's been a, just a really great experience and
0: how did you find the first couple of months being at home did you have someone or family around to help you in those early days or how did you navigate that
1: yeah well I was really lucky uh that I had Joni when I did because a few weeks later um Sydney went into lockdown so it would have been a different story just being at the hospital. I would have not necessarily had my mum with me then. Um, so mum took some time off work and she came and lived with me at my house for the first five weeks, um, which I honestly don't know how people do that part alone, just all the, the washing and the cooking and the um, journey wasn't gaining weight my milk hadn't really come in so I had to you know express and then chop her up with formula and um you know every two hours it was on a kind of a strict regime for a few days and I just don't know how I would have done it without my mum there um and I had a lot of visitors and yeah I've been really really showered with so much um love and and gifts, beautiful gifts for Joni. I've hardly had to buy anything. So just people have been just so, so generous, um which has you know just blown my mind. And so then after the five weeks, mum had to come go back to work. So I came back with her okay. to to their house and stayed, ended up staying for longer than I thought because of lockdown and everything. Um so that was lovely. And since then, I've just kind of been going, spending some time at my place and then driving the seven hours to my parents place and spending time with them as well so kind of going between the two houses um seven hours is is
0: quite a journey between houses
1: (laughs) yeah um I just do it every few months um and I've got some good friends halfway so I just will um yeah stop with some friends halfway and Thankfully she's quite a good, quite a good little car, car traveller. It's just been an amazing experience. She just gives me so much, so much joy and gives everyone joy. She's a really happy, smiley, beautiful baby. And um deciding to bite the bullet and and become a solo mum is the, the best best thing I've ever done in my entire life, hands down.
0: So if you were to look back now, is there anything that you think you'd do differently?
1: given your journey um maybe maybe just do it earlier um I think I'm 43 at the end of the year I do have two frozen embryos but I just I don't think I'm going to use them okay. I think it just might be Jenny and I I would love to give her a sibling but I just think financially and logistically and and me you know being that little bit older I just I feel in my heart that I'm not going to so maybe if I was a little bit younger it might be a little bit more uh viable to do that so that would be the only thing I think but you know if I decided to do it earlier then I might not have gotten that donor and then I wouldn't have Joni. so it's all I think it's all just kind of happened how it's happened and I don't have regrets no
0: and if someone was kind of on the fence or considering this journey, what would what advice would you give
1: them? Uh, I would say definitely go out and get all the tests done. You know, it can be time-consuming. It can be expensive, you know, getting the AMH levels, it, all those types of things. It's expensive, especially if you have to travel to get the tests. And But I think it's really worth it, having that knowledge of just the starting point, you know, knowing whether or not you can even have a child if you've never tried before mm-hmm. a friend of mine just recently decided she was going to go down the same path and she did all the tests and discovered that she, her eggs aren't really viable and she probably won't be able to fall pregnant using her eggs so now she's actually found an egg donor so now that she knows that that she can you know do something about it but um, yeah so I would say get as much information as you can and then just just do it just do it <laughs> And you obviously changed clinics
0: quite, quite early on when you learned that there were other options for access to, to donors. And um, what would you what would you think in terms of advice for people when they're looking at clinics to go for? Because you're obviously a little bit in the a little bit further away from traditional areas where there's lots of access. So what should people be looking for?
1: Yeah, well, I think knowing, you know, about where do they get their Where do they get their sperm from? So, one the first clinic that I went to, they only deal with international sperm, um, and their wait list was six months long, um, and they were more expensive as well. So, then having gone ultimately with with the other clinic, you know, a lot shorter wait time, and um, I guess also just being really feeling comfortable with your fertility specialist, um, and not being scared to. Asked for a second opinion I had a really great utility specialist he was really great but then when the first or the second round didn't work the nurses said would you like to try this other doctor that we have um and it was a female doctor and I said yeah I think I'd like that so I did end up changing specialists not because I didn't wasn't happy with the first one but I just thought you know something different and she changed the the drugs uh, a little bit and made to make sure that I didn't ovulate again early. So, yeah, I think you really need to be, um, really comfortable with who you choose and also then just get to know the nurses really well, because for me, it was the nurses, uh, at the fertility center. They were just everything. they were incredible bunch of ladies who I would see all the time, not so much the doctor. So yeah, developing a really good rapport with your nurses I think is a really important thing.
0: And what do you think is one of the things you're most looking forward to with you and your daughter going forward?
1: Uh, all the different little milestones. At the moment, she's just standing unassisted, you know, and, and all those little things that they're just growing up right in front of your eyes. Um, you know, I don't want her to grow up too quickly, but I know that each stage is just even better than the last one. I, I can't wait till she can talk I think and just say, say some words and you know say mummy and um, I think I'm really looking forward to that and just going just spending our days together and having her walking and she's she's already my little sidekick and just looking forward to um, you know teaching her how to how to cook and how to dance and sing and my dad's already trying to teach how to play the guitar and oh. so just everything.
0: Is there anything that's probably surprised you since you've had her that you, you didn't think was going to happen or that, or just how she is that you're like, I didn't realise it would be this amazing?
1: I've been around babies and children my whole life. So I, I always felt very confident in being a mother, you know, in all the practical things. Um, I knew that I would love her beyond, but I think that's probably what has taken me aback is just that love that everyone talks about, the love that you have for your child, uh, I knew it was going to be there. I knew it was going to be strong, but just how strong and how incredible it is has just, yeah, knocked me for six. I just am obsessed with her. I just, I, I just am so in love with her and um, I knew it would be like that, but just how intense that love is was still a surprise.
0: And have you th- had any thoughts about dating or future with a partner or?
1: Uh, maybe one day. I, I'm definitely not saying no. At the moment, it's the furthest thing from my mind and I'm really enjoying being a solo mum. I, You know, it's just us. We can do what we want. I don't have to um, negotiate anything with anyone. Even though I've had many relationships, I've always I've never lived with a partner before, so I'm very independent. And being by myself is just something I've always kind of been. And so, having just the two of us is just feels quite normal. That's not to say I wouldn't love for someone to come along, um, you know, and and someone that she could call dad one day. That would, of course, be the ultimate. But but if I don't, it would it's okay. It'd have to be someone that I would really really trust that they would you know be the right person for us both i think this is the benefit of
0: going down this journey is that you then become so fussy on who you will allow into your daughter's life that if there is anyone special enough they're going to be pretty damn amazing so they'll be very lucky
1: to have you yeah thank you yeah absolutely i've always have been quite fussy i think um i think i could have been married and had kids early you know I so really wanted a baby and I could have just had a baby with someone but I didn't I never wanted to go down that path I never wanted to go down that path of being in a you know a a split family situation and having my child uh, you know a percentage of time only I'd rather yeah do it on my own than do it like that so I was fussy back then and so now I think I'll, not fussy, but, you know, very selective of of who I would introduce. Yeah, exactly, who I'd like to introduce into our lives. So, yeah, I'll I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But at the moment I'm definitely staying away from all online dating. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I guess in parting, is there anything that you'd like to say to anyone listening to this that's sort of, I guess, on the fence considering it or...
1: Uh, I, I know it's been said before, so it sounds very cliche uh to just just to do it. You'll never ever regret having a child. Um, but I also think you still need to be really realistic about it and know that yes, some um, for some it does happen quite easily. And I, I I consider myself one of those. I think falling pregnant the third time is quite, you know, quite easy compared to a lot of women. So know that it can be a hard slog and don't expect to fall pregnant the first go and so and then also decide well how many kind of rounds am I willing to go and have a kind of a number and really look at your finances and like this is how much it costs per round and, and how many am I going to afford to do and so yeah I, I'm i someone who likes to research and look into things so if you're that kind of person then I think definitely that's a good way of, of looking into it. But yeah, just biting the bullet and just doing it, and not waiting too long. Well, thank
0: you so much, Jesse. A gorgeous story. I'm so glad you've got your beautiful daughter now. Whether you have siblings in the future, you've got options. So, be interested to check in in a couple of years and see what you ultimately decide on that. I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.